Welcome, Bears fans, once again to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. Jim is tuning in via Zoom. Ah, technology. Two Jamokes sitting here hoping to say good things about the Bears, but maybe not. <laughs> we almost had it. We almost had one. It was, uh, I guess, follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore Scat. And yeah, it was almost a really exciting win, question mark. Um, we were sitting there at the bar, all of us watching the game, and things were going so well. You kind of didn't really know what to do with, with yourself. And I, I know I, I speak for myself, and I probably was starting to count the victory before I probably should have, knowing what I know about this Bears team. But Ding! We, were all sitting, we were all sitting there like, Man, how bad are the Broncos? Like, we're not the worst <laughs> team in the league. And we know what happened. The Bears completely collapsed. And the coaching decisions at the end received a ton of criticism. And then there was the bad turnover by Fields and the bad grounding by Fields and the bad interception by Fields. So another week, Bears are 0-4 and staring at a short week because uh, they plan Thursday night football tomorrow night. So... Another tough one. Yeah, uh, like you said, um, I think we were collectively counting our chickens before they hatched. Uh, I certainly thought it was a win. Um, I knew the defense was bad. I didn't know it was uh, give up a, a giant lead and all momentum bad. Um, thought wrong. And um, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the end result... Uh, one that, you know, we've seen, I, I'm not on the bandwagon of, uh, you know, carrying over losses from last year. I think that's really unfair to guys who are new to the team of which there is a significant amount, but I, at the same time, I can also relate to it with this particular coaching staff. Uh, we'll go deeper into that obviously, but, um, you know, tough, uh, tough one for fields. Uh, especially because his numbers were so good and he really seemed in command of things uh, up until I felt like in the third quarter, that's when the offense kind of started to struggle. And I think the numbers support that. And then, uh, you know, uh, fourth quarter dumpster fire. Yeah, that's right. And we were sitting there and I was like, man, this team actually looks like they have some juice for the first time this year. They were, making tackles and bouncing up off the field and pumping up the crowd. And it looked like they were having fun out there playing football for two and a half quarters or so. And yeah, you mentioned fields. I think that was legit, like the best quarterback game in bears history statistically, or, or one of the top ones. It, it was, I mean, it was, it was, you know, uh, it, it well it reminded pretty much everyone of Trubisky's, you know, uh, big game against Tampa. Yeah, it was great. He, he played, really well i mean there were a couple really bad plays but overall i think that is something you can maybe take as a positive because the offense did look different it looked like they were moving him around a little more it looked like the play calling was a little bit more methodical and there was actually a rhyme and reason to what they were doing out there and fields looked a lot more comfortable until the couple of disaster plays at the end so and i know they were playing the worst defense in the league. And I think statistically like one of the worst defenses ever. So 
you have to give that caveat, but <laughs> st- st- still an NFL defense, and the Bears' offense looked light years better than anything we've seen so far this year. So maybe that's something that they can turn into a, a little bit of momentum going into this game in Washington. Yeah, and you know this is it, so. There were several things yesterday that were or uh, might a little time warp there. Uh, there were several things Sunday. Uh, that were confusing to me because these are some there was we saw actionable plays that we think that we should have seen prior to this. Why? Why are these things that we think that we should have seen not actually happening before this time? I mean, right. constructed rollouts uh, that were obvious. To get him out of the pocket, not him scrambling to get out of the pocket. You know, uh, also, uh, you know, we, we saw a, a greater amount of receivers uh, open. Uh, like you said, yes, we're playing the worst defense in the NFL. Um, you know, even the lowest guy on the totem pole in uh, NFL secondary is probably the best athlete from his state. So, I, you know, these these guys are all really good. Um, I, I don't understand where all that was up until this point. Yeah, agreed. And it, it was, like you said, all things that we've been screaming at our televisions for the last three games. Like, get him out of the pocket, move the pocket, run the ball. Like, even the the... Jet sweeps were working because yeah. they had set them up well with the plays they called beforehand, and it looked like an NFL offense. Which Khalil Herbert, believe. good game. Yeah, it sure, yeah, sure did. And it's like I can't believe that at this point of this regime, we have to be like celebrating the fact that the offense actually looked professional. But, <laughs> right? What? You know, we're we're grasping at straws here, right, and trying to get something positive out of this disastrous 0-4 start and you know that's kind of the game that I was hoping we'd see more this year where I knew the Bears weren't going to be very good but I'm like if you're going to lose at least lose games where you're putting up some points right that's at least what happened and unfortunately if it weren't for a couple critical mistakes on the offensive side of the ball I think they they do win that game but and it's it's not like the defense played great. They, they had some stops in the first half. They were also aided by the Broncos, just like continuously false starting, like because <laughs> apparently they were they were terrified of the the Bears' vaunted pass rush, and they just couldn't figure out how not to jump off the ball early. Like they're really bad still. So I, I'm taking. I'd say I'm expressing some cautious optimism sure. at that offensive performance because I, I know the Broncos are bad, but. I guess it's better than looking like a complete dumpster fire, which is what we had been talking about for the first three. These, these, this, this kind of play, echoing what you just said, this kind of play is what I thought, what you thought, what the majority of Bears fans thought we would see in week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, these things worked last year. And it seemed like there was suddenly this case of mass amnesia at least by the coaching staff 
uh, it during the off season that all the things that did work last year suddenly were abandoned. And to me, it comes across as the 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 coaching staff, Luke Getze, decided, you know what, we're going to make him, we're going to just force the, par- the pocket passer issue. We're going to abandon everything that else that we were doing, and we're just going to work on making him a, a great pocket passer. And that's not Fields. That's not working to his best ability. No. It, it's clearly not, and if they tried it for three games and recognized it didn't work and are now going to go back to something closer to what they were trying to do last year, then I guess it's better late than never. And the offensive line is getting a little healthier as well, which I think helps out. They got Nate Davis back on Sunday, and he actually looked pretty good. Yeah. Like I read his metrics were, were were pretty decent. Yeah, like closer to the player they thought they were getting. Darnell Wright, I think, has looked pretty good overall for a rookie. It sounds like Tevin Jenkins might even be back tomorrow. It's possible. Uh, if, not, if not tomorrow, I assume he'll be back for that game against the Vikings, which means we can get Cody Whitehair back to center. So the, the line seems to be getting a little healthier, which only is going to help them. I mean, it was an absolute disaster for the first three games of the season. Which right certainly contributed to just, I think, how bad the offense looked in general. But the, the play calling did look different on Sunday. So if that's something that we're going to see more of going forward, I am a little scared to think about what the Washington defensive line is going to do to this offense tomorrow night. But assuming the quarterback survives that, I hope that we see more of what we saw on Sunday because there's some weak defenses coming up. We talked about it last week. So if we can at least get some offensive production going, then I think we'll start to feel a little bit better, even though, I mean, the wins I think are going to be hard to come by because the defense is is just terrible. Speaking of uh, the offensive line, um, plug for Jatire Carter. Uh, I read uh, a couple of days ago that, um, he's actually been doing a pretty good job. Um, his metrics have been uh, pretty decent. Uh, that's uh, that's to me that's an, another win uh, as far as um, draft development. Simply because you know, remember he was a I think he was a sixth rounder, and uh, it looks like uh, he could. Um, you know, not only did he make it through. Uh, last year, but he's uh, he's uh, being a contributor already this year. Obviously, forced into <laughs> into action. The the frustrating seventh seventh round pick. Se- seventh round pick. So the frustrating thing is that okay, we had it looked like there was a set five at the beginning of OTAs. Uh, we go through OTAs, everything's looking good. Towards the end of OTAs going into uh, training camp, it looks like we're starting to get some dings here and there. Um, Then uh, during training camp, the wheels completely come off and suddenly the entire offensive line, uh, with the exception, no, without exception. I guess the only exception was maybe Braxton Jones. Um, Everybody's hurt. 
And then, so the next thing we know, okay, this guy is out, this guy, you know, like three guys per day are out and they're just like jostling guys in and out. So we go into the regular season and it's still this giant cluster bomb. Um, so as you were mentioning, it sounds like the structure of the lineup is going to, in the next couple of weeks, be closer to what it was all the way back at the beginning of OTAs. The part that pisses me off at polls and at this coaching staff is, especially, again, back to Luke Getze, uh, we're just as disgruntled with this guy as everybody else. It Why didn't they do some kind of game plan that said, you know, we wanted to structure things to make it so that we're passing more because we know we want to develop that part of the offense more this year, but recognize, you know, we're not going to be able to do it because we have second and third string players in there. We have a a disjointed uh, offensive line here. You know, uh, Decision making is going to have to be faster. Why didn't Why didn't we see any difference there? Yeah, it's like it's kind of like when Mike Martz was running seven step drops with Jamarcus <laughs> Webb. And exactly. Yeah, like you gotta run the plays that you can block, guys. And yeah, because he was like for, seven step drop, no matter what. Yeah, it's like we talked that we talked about that for three years with Matt Nagy. It's like Matt, you cannot block this with this offensive line. You have to adjust, and it, it did look like in the first couple games that they just were running with the idea that they had this really improved line, and it, it wasn't the case, right? And so Fields was getting pressured all day long. He was getting happy feedback there, and I think that definitely contributed to some of the early struggles. So, I mean, getting Tevin Jenkins back is big. The problem with him is how long is he going to be back? We'll see. Braxton Jones, I haven't heard an update on him. White hair, I think it's been okay. We'll see if he is an improvement back at center. It's going to be hard to be worse than Lucas Patrick. And I think you feel okay about the right side of that line if Wright and Davis are going to play this way, the way they did Sunday at least. So, I mean, hopefully that just, you know, hopefully we do see some cohesion there. Um, you, you know, that that was a, a big focus in the offense it probably wasn't enough of a focus in hindsight given all the injuries but they did invest to try to improve that line both in the draft and in free agency so it's good to hear that Jenkins is back and now you got four of the five that you envisioned at least so you're in a much better spot than you were a couple weeks ago yeah and you know going back to you know doing something about that uh uh, there was a big focus over the first few weeks uh, of criticism on one because he was holding the ball too long. Yes, we recognize that. We're not NFL coaches, but we're not stupid. Uh, we, <laughs> we're we watching the same stuff that you guys are. So, okay, does that mean that it's a major problem that Fields has as far as his decision-making skills? Or is it what I think probably closer to the fact that he was dealing 
with a overwhelmed offensive line and running plays that took too long to develop and holding on to the ball too long. Because that's where I think it's closer to. And like receivers not being open too. Yeah. That was that was the other that was the other thing that was much more noticeable on Sunday. And I know you mentioned this already, but it looked like there were times where guys were actually schemed open. Yes. <laughs> right. Like, what? Like, like, we do yeah, that? Like, yeah, like you're you're allowed to like run a play that's designed to get a guy open. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's like the Bears finally caught on to what the other 31 teams in the NFL do on offense. So more of that would be good. I mean, DJ Moore was awesome. Uh, he, he made a couple of huge plays. Darnell Mooney was alive. Yeah, Komet, obviously great. And Bob Tanyan caught a couple of passes. In there, so, <laughs> so yeah, was, you know, did it take uh, kicking Claypool to the curb? Is <laughs> Was that the big change? I was I was joking about that at the bar. I was like, it was kind of a genius move by Ryan Poles to bring in a guy that was gonna bring morale so far down <laughs> that when you when you bench him, it, it boosts everyone's spirits so much that it's like a gust of wind into the sails. It's really really genius use of a second round pick there. But the offense did look different. I mean, you know, it might have looked the same if Claypool was out there and just. God, that that guy just what a disaster that's turned into. I I have to take the L on this one because I was excited when they traded for him. I thought it was a good move, and it has uh, not been. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, I'll I'll stand up and say it too. I thought it was um, I thought it was a really good move. Uh, I remember how happy both of us were that we actually were like, you know what? Uh, they wanted. Uh, the the second round pick from the Ravens, um, because it, and and, and polls used uh, that asset to outbid the Packers, and it it it, it it's an explosion. Uh, it, it didn't work uh, at the time, though. When you look at the circumstances, I don't think that it looks that bad. I mean. Did it turn out to be bad? Yes. Can, you know, these guys take chances on players all the time. And sometimes it just doesn't work out, right? You know, uh, at the same time, uh, you could look at uh, Zach Wilson, right? He was number two overall. How's that worked out? You know? Right. Um, So... You know, was it uh, was it a was it a bad miss? It was a bad miss. Was it uh, choose Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes miss? Uh, no, but somehow that guy still got a GM job. So uh, you know, there has to be some room for error. Yeah, and you have to think about what you knew at the time that the trade was made. I don't think that. At that time, you could have predicted that the Bears were going to lose nine consecutive games and get the first overall pick. I, I think they, they probably thought the pick they were giving up was going to be several picks higher than where it ended up. And so a little bit of unfortunate luck there, like in, the, in that context, obviously really good that they got the first overall pick. But you couldn't have known at the time that was going to happen. And I don't think you could have predicted that it would have gone like this terribly. I mean... 
that like having I, I can't remember the last time a player had to be sent home and just said you're done here. Yeah. Like, but he's still on the roster for some reason. Like I, mean, I don't got, think I don't think that's going to be for long. I am surprised it hasn't happened already. I mean, unless unless they've got some trade in the works and they're going to get like a conditional seventh round pick two years from now. Like I, I guess you'd take it, right? You'd get something. But yeah, they're they're paying him to sit at home right now. There's there's no way they can bring him back. I, I think he's well, played his last snap as a bear. You know. Uh, um... There was, uh, 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 there was, you know, John, uh, was running around the bar. Uh, he, John is, uh, a, a, a fellow Bears fan and he's got some pretty strong opinions. And, um, he was running around the, the bar talking about how, uh, you know, Getsy, uh, and the, the coaching staff, this was, uh, Claypool was, you know, not being used correctly because that's what he said to Courtney Cronin. Um, that may be the case. And I certainly uh, think that they could be, you know, part of uh, contributing to that. It can be more than one thing, right? But at the same time, Claypool has not made but a minor impact from the get-go. I mean, there's only been a few games where he's even been noticed. And... That can't all be put on to the coaching staff. Pittsburgh dumped this guy on, and they were ready to dump him, not to just us, but to several teams. So laughing all their way to the bank. Yeah, so this guy still was pissing on his own foot. I mean, let's not let's not get confused about that. He... He has made, he's made his own bed that he's going to get to lay in because the next coaching staff is going to go, well, that may be the case uh, with Pittsburgh and that may be the case with Chicago, but I'm starting to see a pattern here. For sure. And I mean, he's cost himself a lot of money with how he's acted over the past year and he's got nobody to blame for that but himself. I I loved what Olin Cruz said. He, He basically said, well, Chase, they didn't use you correctly in Pittsburgh, apparently, and they didn't use you correctly here, so why don't you get on up to the whiteboard and draw up how you want to be used? <laughs> and we'll, And if you don't want to do that, then sit down and shut up, man. Right. Like, you know, even if you're not happy with how you're being used, it, it sounds like there were other just disciplinary issues. We know what happened in week one against the Packers where there were just several plays on tape where he's clearly not trying. Uh, it sounds like, you know, Matt Eberflus, after he, like, was interrogated. With we, too, everybody could see it. Yeah, exactly. And it's Flus, just like, Flus said what? He, he, was, he brought up, like, paying attention in meetings and being on time. So, yeah. clearly, clearly there were other issues. Like, if a player's just underperforming, you, you can make him inactive, but you don't, you don't tell him to go home, right? So, there, there, there was clearly something that happened last week. And then, yeah, there was the Courtney Cronin interview. And I heard somebody, I think it was Fields, talking about how bad Claypool felt about that. I'm like, he knew exactly what he was doing. Courtney Cronin asked him the question, and Claypool sat there for eight seconds thinking about how he was going to answer. So we we joked last week on the podcast because this all was happening while we were recording. And (laughs) we we were like, it's like, not even joking. Is he trying to get cut? Like that wouldn't surprise me if he's just trying to force his way out of here. So 
I, I'm with you. I, I don't expect him to be back on the field for the Bears. I am expecting any minute to refresh Twitter and see he's been released. And it's too bad because he's a talented player and doesn't seem like a, a bad guy necessarily, but there's just something that didn't click here. And it's too bad because the Bears gave up a lot to get him and got basically nothing in return. Yeah, I, I got a... Um... I, I gotta, I gotta say, I, I think he made a total jackass of himself. Um, I, I have no, I, I have no empathy uh, for him whatsoever, uh, or sympathy for him whatsoever. Uh, in this particular case, I don't think that you know when we, when we first brought him to the team, there was a lot of talk about uh, how he acted with coaching. And um, uh, his uh, issues of maturity, and let's let's remember, he was working for Mike Tomlin, who is a Hall of Fame coach, um, who is known for getting the best out of his players, uh, and is one of the most respected coaches in the NFL right now. So you know, it wasn't like he was coming from. Um, you know, a, a situation similar to ours. You know, he he came he came to the the Bears and had to work for for a new coaching staff. Now, I'm, at at the same time, I'm certainly not defending Luke Getzey. We've we've talked about him several times on here, and you know, we're all pretty much convinced that this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Um, so, you know, that's a that's a completely different thing. I'm just saying. That um, for him to sit there and to me act magnanimous about how he was treated is kind of a load of crap. Yeah, I think that's right. Especially think about last year. I mean, look look at who the receivers he was playing with while he was on the Bears were. It was like guy from the bar, (laughs) rando, undrafted college free agent. Like he was the most talented receiver on the field. Yeah. And he didn't really do anything with that opportunity. He was invisible that. in most of the games. Yeah. And the excuse was he didn't know the playbook. Well, I mean. He didn't know the playbook for seven games. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Courtney Cronin pointed that out. And I was like, yeah, I didn't really think about it that way. <laughs> yeah. And then this, this year in training camp, there was the story with him getting into it with Stevenson and then getting injured. So I, it it just, for whatever reason, just spiraled out of control. And he seems like he's got maturity issues. And I'll tell you this, if there's a coaching staff in the NFL that I don't trust to find a way to motivate a player like that, it's Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze. Yeah, I, I agree there. There's just no, there's, if they sound in front of the team, Anything like they do when they're talking in front of the media, I can't remember a less inspiring group of people. They, I mean, yeah, just a- absolute, just gibberish up there when they're talking to the media. And just, yeah, it's almost comical. Like not even like at least like John Fox, right? When he was talking to the media, you could tell he was just being a jackass and just not saying anything on purpose. But right, you know these portrayed some confidence like he at least knew what he was doing like these guys are just up there mumbling yeah talking talking to clouds so (laughs) like 
if, if, if just if total clowns. Like and Mike Mike Tom Mike Tomlin in that example has found a way to get to to maximize players that maybe aren't the most motivated at least for a period of time. That does not seem like a skill of this coaching staff at all. No. And um, you know uh, the other day I was um, I was thinking about when uh, they when. Uh, the coaching staff first got introduced and it was that first press conference with Eberflus. And I remember talking to you and you saying, um, yeah, Flus is, he was okay. He was kind of cheese ball coach speak uh, when I was watching him. And, but he seemed okay. And I thought of that just the other day and it was like, holy prophetic <laughs> proclamation there. Wow. Cause that's like literally how he's been the entire time. Yeah. And like, sometimes I think bears coaches get like a little bit of a bad rap for this because everyone's always like, well, all, all the bears coaches sound dumb when they're up in front of the media. And it's like, yeah, because their teams always suck. <laughs> like when, and when, when your team sucks, it's really hard to go up there and sound smart because you're not going to go up there and just say, yeah, we're terrible. We can't do anything. We're a complete mess. Like you got to try to find some way to be positive and not throw your players completely under the bus. And there's just only so much you can say. Right. What, what, what's Matt Eberflus supposed to say after that game other than, yeah, we completely blew it. And it's another terrible performance by my defense and another game where the hits principle didn't show up. Like, He's not going to say that, but, like, what's he going to say, right? So I, I think that sometimes, you know, we, we react too much to the press conferences. But, yeah, he, he sounds like he's just completely grasping at straws now. I mean, just the, the, the lack of decisiveness in which he's communicated what's going on with Chase Claypool has really been surprising to me. Like, yeah, this should be, like, the lowest of low-hanging fruit for a – football coach like lazy player gets benched like coaches, <laughs> love, coaches love that stuff coaches love an opportunity to to say look this guy wasn't meeting up to the standard and we sent him home and that's what we do around here because if you're not doing it the way that we want you to do it then you can't be here so but Eberflus just sounds like he's trying to explain long division after spending the whole night out drinking at the bar like, yeah it's like uh, you know, well, right, and just like, come on, man, like, look, can you portray a little bit of authority? Like, you don't have to throw the guy completely under the bus, but can and we get you, some you, sense that you're in charge of what's going on here? You you know that you're going to have to address this head on. It, it's right. <laughs> it's not something you can gloss over. You know, yeah. it's like you said. How many times has this actually happened in team history? We've been around for a hundred years. You know, and I, and it's like you said, I can't remember it the last time it happened. It, it's it's a it's a total disaster. Not to mention the uh, uh, like you said, there's a super focus on it. Just been the amount of resources that we invested in this guy, and it's turned out to be a cluster bomb. So where is? The accountability, and that's one thing that he can do. You know, I agree with you. There's he can't he can't he certainly he's he's not going to go up there and say, yeah, we're a total we're we're a, we're a total disaster. You know, uh, we're a complete failure. 
No, he can't do that. But you know what? He can empathize with fans and go up there and say, you know what? I understand that this is not acceptable to our, our fans. They they expect uh, they expect from the long history of the and respected history of the Chicago Bears for us to be putting a product out there that is uh, at least going in and being competitive in games, and we're not doing that right now. <laughs> Yeah, it, exactly right. I, I, I heard somebody say it'd be nice if we could give a raised voice sometime at Hallis Hall. Exactly. Like, can, can we can we get some indication that anybody on that coaching staff is pissed off about the team being zero four? Because the like, team leader number one is doing that. Yeah, so is Jalen Johnson. So like. There are leaders on the team that are saying the right things. Like, did you hear Cole Komet talking about the Claypool thing? Yeah. Like, Cole, Cole Komet sounded like he should be running the Bears' public relations <laughs> And he's the 24-year-old tight end, and he communicated that situation so much more effectively than the head coach. And I, I think Eberflus with Claypool, like, the story isn't even about Claypool anymore. The story's become about how poorly Matt Eberflus seems to have a handle on this whole thing. And so. justifiably. I mean, they, like I said, you know, several things can exist all at the same time. Yeah. Maybe he's just doing it to... Maybe Eberflus is tanking those questions on purpose to avoid having to talk about the game and his defense. <laughs> I don't know, but um, it, it, it reflects, as you were just saying, it reflects poorly on him because he just goes up there and he stumbles through like, um, yeah, I just thought about this 10 minutes before I came up here. 10 minutes? Like, like 10, <laughs> 10 seconds. <laughs> 10 seconds, right. Uh, what were your thoughts? I was surprised at the amount of criticism he got, actually, for going for it on that fourth down. And I, I get that the play call wasn't great, and I know people didn't like the timeout, but everybody seems to think he should have kicked the field goal there and trusted his defense. And yeah. I, I disagree, because so, have, you, have you seen this defense? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it it's one of those things. It's a coach's decision. This is, it happens every, it happens in every sport, everywhere. Okay, the coach made a decision. He thought this was the best idea. I'm not going to hammer him about that. I mean, I didn't like the call. Uh, I, I thought, at, you know what I think? What I think is that we should have an offense that can go out there and get one freaking yard. That's what Thank I you. think. And uh, I no, I did not like the play call because we have already been busted on that stupid call multiple times. How many times they have to run it to figure out that it doesn't work? The offensive line has no surge. You know, that's one of the things. I just want to briefly touch on this because there's been all this talk about talk about the put the tush push that uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles do better than anybody else. And people refer to it almost like they're doing some kind of cheat or scam. And it's like, no, they're not. They're doing something that anybody can do. Any NFL team can do that. It's just that they happen to have a really, really great offensive line that can get that hammer through the defensive line of the opponent more often than not. Any NFL team can do that if they have the offensive line to do it. Now, the Bears... 
uh, should not be relying on that because they've proven multiple times that they do not have that. They do not have that offensive line. What they should be doing instead, which I agree with the masses on, is put the ball in the best player on the field's hands. And that is Justin Fields. He is the best player. Put it in his hands to get that extra yard. And I think more often than not, if you're betting on that, you're going to be a winner. Yeah, that, that's where I landed on it. I, I was like, it, it's not like there were 45 seconds left in the game. There were, there were three minutes left. And does anybody think that if the Bears kick a field goal there that Russell Wilson wasn't going down and scoring a game-winning touchdown? With he did it anyway, even though he didn't need to. Yeah, like, of course he was. This defense sucks. But I, I agree with you on the play call. And we said it in real time. We were like, another short yardage critical play where they take the ball out of Justin's hands. And I think maybe he might have had an option to keep there. It was, I think it was a, a run-pass option. But stop giving him the option if he's going to give it up there. Like, yeah. You, you should be able to design a play to get – three quarters of a yard against a defense that terrible. Because if they get the first down, they win the game. Right. Like, you can melt the clock and the game's over because you're going to kick a game-winning field goal. Yep. But that play, just like you said, the, the line didn't get any push. Darnell Wright, I think, blew an assignment. And he admitted it. His guy. So and, and Fields recognized it, too. That you know what I what I like about that is that the player recognized what happened. Um, the again the leader of the team recognized what happened. That's fixable. I I to to try and execute the play and not execute it. That's a learning experience. I have no issue with that. What I have an issue with is the coaching calling that particular play knowing full and well that it has not been successful before. And as you said just now, it's the job of the coaching staff to come up with a play there that is going to have a higher success rate. And yes, it should directly involve the best player on the field. And that, to me, that's where the failure comes in. I Do I blame Flus for wanting to try and win the game right there? Of course not. It was a, it was a real, it was a good decision as far as that is concerned. Yes, don't depend on the defense because the defense is terrible. Yeah, but, he knows his defense sucks. Yeah, so you know what? Yeah, try and go ahead and win the game right there. I don't, you know, I don't have fault with that. But man... That, to me, was not putting them in a position to be successful. It's also just, like, running the ball out of the shotgun. Yes! Like, what? No! When, Put them as close you, to it as possible. Yeah, it's like, you know the defense is going to come firing downhill, expecting that to happen. And, like, Wright missed the block. He He should have gotten to his spot faster and put a shoulder on that guy. But when, when you're doing that type of play, that's that slow developing and that predictable, then you're just creating more opportunities for someone to blow their assignment. Yes. Because like you said, this offensive line is, is not great right now. Like I, I think Darnell Wright's going to be a very good player. He's playing his fourth NFL game. So I, I just thought it's another example of not, drawing up the play that's the most likely to get that that yard and I mean my god it's the Denver Broncos defense they 
can't stop anything. Like you've got to be able to pick that up in that situation and finally get a win here. You know, um, let me, uh, let me, let me point something out to you real quickly. Cause you, you made a, just a really good point just now. Slow developing play. Stop it. That has been a major issue since the beginning of the, of the season. It's like I don't understand what uh, Getze is trying to accomplish with that. And he just was working, before he came to Chicago, with the king of quick-moving plays. One of the things that made 12 so successful in Green Bay was that he would literally snap the ball and just instantly throw it. Uh, and it would kill us, you know, that quick slant that he would always do. Literally, he would snap the ball, take one step, and rocket the ball to one spot. There is no decision-making. It's drawn up that way. Where is that? I don't know. And it, I just think that there was such a good opportunity there to draw something up against uh, just crap-ass defense that you, you get your one yard and you finally get a W and you screwed it up. And like, that wasn't the only reason they lost. There was the back breaking fumble that got returned for the touchdown, which we, anyway, we, another, we, another, another play where fields looks up and there's a guy already right in his face. Yeah. Like that. And I know fields can't cough up the ball there, but can we figure that out where, it seems like twice a game something like that happens where yep. like before the play even has a chance to start, there's someone right there ready to take its head off. And yep. I, I, obviously another missed assignment on the line that might be partially on fields too, if he didn't recognize the defense and the, the blitz, but just a, another thing where that just keeps happening and it's got to stop because eventually someone's going to come around the edge there and just absolutely knock him in the, next Tuesday. Yep. That's going to be the end of Justin Fields season. Yeah. And, um, I, I was reading about that and, uh, I'll admit, um, I got a little foggy on, he, he, of course, Fields, you know, he's the biggest criticism of anybody of himself. And, uh, he said, you know, um, on that play, uh, I should have had my head around faster. Um, he said that, uh, he he was supposed to recognize something or do something uh, that would have put him in position to be uh, to have his head swung around before that. Um, I didn't quite understand what he was what he what he was referencing, but regardless, uh, you know, I, I've pointed it out on the cast before. One of the things I always liked about uh, Green Bay was. They would tell their guys, "I don't care what you do, don't let uh, don't let guys go unabated to the quarterback. Don't let him get crushed. If you gotta if you gotta tackle the guy to to prevent that from happening, do it. But don't let him just get whacked. And you know, like you said, it, it, how many times have we already seen it just this year? You know, just unabated. Um, you know, they're they're in they're they're." they're back there with him in one second. Yeah, exactly. And bad things are going to happen there. I mean, that fumble, when he was trying to get the ball out because he saw the play was dead and 
just didn't work. I think that's another teachable moment, right? Where you just, if that happens, you just kind of got to eat it. Problem is with Fields, like a lot of times he'll escape that just because he's athletic enough that he can make the guy miss. Right. Not that time. And obviously not from that that distance. (laughs) Yeah, that, that was. But, uh, but you know, he, he certainly is a wizard when it comes to that. But he, he point blank, uh, he point blank said, um, I got to eat that. Uh, you know, I was, he said, I was trying to get the ball out, uh, out of bounds. Um, you know, incomplete pass, move to the next play. Uh, I should have ate the ball there. Um, you know, it was, it was a screw up. And, uh, there was a, there was, Again, it's not one thing. There are several things that happened there to 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 cause that. But uh, certainly, a turnover for a touchdown is the is the scoop and score is the worst possible scenario there, and that's what happened. Yeah, the the only play I was really disappointed was uh, was the grounding, just because he had time there and he just threw it to nobody in a key situation, and that that can't happen. And that was another situation. The ball's got to be out. But I thought that was really the only, like, terrible play that he made all game, right? I mean, I, I you know, was, I'll, I'll just plug in. Um, while I do agree with that call, it's kind of BS because I see that happen all the time in the NFL. And it much more egregiously than that. And they get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean... I think that's really it for the game. I mean, what more can you say about the defense? So, so. well, well, you know, um, you know, I the the hardest thing here, of course, is um, uh, we'll 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 come back to we'll come back to this and, and talk about it more in depth um, uh, as we as we continue on with the with the season. But one thing I did want to touch on is. There's a flurry uh, in the Twitter sphere about, um, oh, we, we need to fire uh, Flus and uh, his staff and Getsy right now. Um, we can get Lovey to take over the team. Um, you know, we can go hire Coach X. And it's like, are you people stupid? Uh, nobody, no, what, what coach in his right mind would want to come into that environment for a half a year and try and t- take over an absolute explosion, uh, you know, garbage explosion? Who, who would want to do that? And what does that do also? Yeah. Like, this, this all is kind of taken off because a couple of reporters have speculated, speculated that if the Bears lose tomorrow against Washington, that Eberflus can be fired, which, fine speculation. They've lost a lot of games in a row. I, I think Eberflus probably will be fired after the end of the mm-hmm. year. But, I mean, the point you just made is is the exact right one. It's who's taking over then? Yeah. And what is that, what is that accomplish? I mean, you're going to make Luke Getzey the head coach or Richard Hightower like, what does that really do at this point? Make uh, you you pointed it out actually last week. Andrew Jackano is our new offensive coordinator. Yeah, and like the lovey rumors. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to bring in somebody from the outside and ha- have have the players learn all new 
systems and everything like that that's just not going to happen like yeah. if they do fire Iberflus in the season somebody on the staff is going to be the interim and is going to carry out the rest of the season but there there really is no replacement that you'd be in any way excited about it if you're firing Iberflus you might as well fire Getsy too but yeah. I, I just I don't think that's happening tomorrow like in, unless it is so bad and so embarrassing. Like if the Bears go out and lose 60 to nothing tomorrow, then maybe, but I, I still kind of doubt it. It's just, there, there's there's nothing to be gained yet for me of replacing the coaching staff when you've still got 12 games left. I mean, just what does it do? Like I, I could definitely see it happening at, in week 14, right? Where they're like, hey, we're Perhaps. <laughs> We want yeah. to get a head start on the coaching search. Like, we've made our decision. It's time. And I know the Bears typically, or have never actually, fired a coach midseason. But it, most of that was Ted Phillips, who was completely incompetent and didn't know what he was doing. So I, I think you got to throw that out a little bit. Yeah. But I, I just don't see it happening this early on in the season. He, even though Eberflus probably deserves it, honestly. But... It, it, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to get a chance for a few more games at least. Well, um, I'm in complete agreement as far as uh, I, I just I don't I don't see how you can fire the coaching staff at this point. It, it's just to, to me that that's one of the things that um, you know John was running around with his hair on fire because he's like, oh, we need to fire the coaching staff tomorrow, and it's like. I uh, can't do that. <laughs> it, 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 like you said, what it, if you were Lovey Smith, would you want to come over here? I wouldn't. No. I'd be like, I'm not taking over that. You know, uh, well, the, it, it, the it was did that last year with Jeff Saturday, and they they were the laughing stock of the league. Oh yeah, that was a total disaster. You know, and the thing was, and then it was even worse because they won their first game, and suddenly it was like, oh, maybe they're onto something here. No, it was <laughs> it was a terrible idea from the get go. And I actually, I really hope Jeff Saturday actually comes back into coaching or, or continues that dream if that's what if that's what he really wants to do. But no, I don't. I you know taking one of their most iconic players and putting that on him, I don't think that was real smart. Um, but, you, no, you, 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 you continue on with Iberflus for the time being. You continue on with Luke Getze. It's not a great choice, but it's the one that you, that you have to deal with for right now. Just like for a complete shits and giggles if you had to pick one former bear to come in and coach this team for 12 games who would you pick <laughs> probably brian Erlocker. <laughs> i think i'm going cutler oh wow <laughs> you, that would be you, interesting can you um, can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> well either one of those i think would be a, a really interesting choice because um i i'd love to see how either one of those guys work out as you know negotiating with getting players to go out and play for them <laughs> i i'm just i'm just picturing cutler like the first press conference after the Bears lose to the Panthers or something. Just uh, <laughs> smoking uh, Jay Cutler. Yeah, so 
Now, I if I have my if I had to predict, I don't think Matt Eberflus is fired this week. I I don't know that he finishes the season, but I don't think it happens. Yeah, week. and I agree with you. I mean, I guess we could see him get fired, and you know, like you said, week fourteen, week fifteen, something like that, where where it's close to the end of the season. Um, but even then, um, you know, I I don't know what you're doing for your for for what what you're doing for the team by by making that happen. Yeah, it's almost assured that he's going to get fired in the off season anyway. So, um, you know, uh, that's pretty similar to Nagy. I, I mean, uh, Nagy knew that he was getting fired. Um, you know, at the, at the end of, at the end of his regime, but they still had him. Uh, you know, they still had him all the way through through week seventeen. So. Yeah, and like I don't that's not great either because like it just gets so uncomfortable like when the coach is just like clearly dead man walking, but they also make very good money, so get out there and coach until we tell you not to, right? Yeah. Uh, hey, that's your job. You're um yeah. you know, that's what you're under contract to do. And guess what? Uh almost every single human alive has had to work in some crappy job that they don't want to be in or management doesn't want them to be in and they gotta grunt through it. So you're not you're not alone. You're just being paid, like you said, you know, a million dollars to do it. So uh, you know, uh gird your loins, you pussy, and <laughs> you know, and, and get out there and do what you're supposed to do. I don't know what they did um, to make the team uh, work better in this last game. I felt like the team, uh, at least you know, at least on the offense, played better. The defense doesn't have the personnel. I mean, let's not let's not sugarcoat shit. The team does not have personnel. Uh, you know, the most of the defense it is either first or second year players. Um, most of them don't know what they're doing. And then we have some players that are the better players for, that we need that are injured, right? Yes. Yeah. Not, uh, the, the secondary was, the secondary started, um, they didn't even have Josh Blackwell to start. <laughs> I mean, they, they were like. The guys, who was it that was starting? Greg, Greg Stroman. Oh, and Terrell Smith. Yeah, so it's, yeah. Like you said, and I mean, the defensive line is Greg so bad. Stroman? Yeah, so defensive line is so bad, secondary is banged up. You're, you're not going to have a good defense. I'm, I'm not, that, you know, some would say, well, you're making an excuse for the de- No, we're not. That's who started. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they're, they're bad. Yeah, so... Um, while, uh, while we're certainly not trying to put in, uh, any, um, clear Eberflus's name because he has done a shit show as far as, uh, making this team motivated to play as far as I'm concerned. Um, at the same time, the cupboard has, is really bare right now to steal that from Parcells. Yep. Uh, all right. Do you want to do uh, power rankings? Yeah, so on to power rankings here. Uh, so this week, um, the uh, last week they did offensive efficiency. So this week, it's the flip side, defensive Uh-oh. efficiency. And uh, you can probably guess where we rank in that. So um, uh, the number one overall team this week, 
San Francisco 49ers, uh, their second week at number one. Uh, their, defensive, their defensive efficiency is, at the top is uh, 65.0, which is number 11. But their offense, you know, is so loaded. Uh, I mean, think about it. Their offense is so is is functioning so well that Debo Samuel is kind of an afterthought right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pause for effect. <laughs> yeah, just a just a, a insanely loaded offense. Insanely loaded, and yeah, you know what? Um, they look like uh, their Mister Irrelevant is turning out to be a pretty darn good player. I mean, people should recognize um, that he he was a good player uh, at um, Iowa State, and I know he had some injury issues, and he had a pretty terrible team around him. Sometimes I feel like us as Bear fans, we gloss over that. You know, I mean, um, there's been a lot of talk about Jalen Carter about how well he's doing. Do you really think he would be doing that well in the Bears' defense if he was playing tomorrow against Washington? I don't think so. No, I so, don't think so either. Uh, I think he would be better than what we have, but I don't think he would be the force that he is right now. No. Um, so uh, Philadelphia is in uh, the number two spot. The top AFC team is the Buffalo Bills, uh, followed by the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's uh, drop down real quick to the top uh, NFC North team, which is the Lions still um, at three and one. Their defensive efficiency is 63.3, which is uh, good enough for 13th in the NFL. Um, their biggest issue so far has been rushing the passer. Uh, their pass win rate is only 32.3, which is 29th. And that's with Aiden Hutchinson. So. Ballin. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, the next team is the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they're at 14, down from 12. Defensive, effic- defic- defensive efficiency is 53.4. That's good enough for 18th. Uh, it's not so good, especially considering all the top picks that they have on that defense. Once again, the Packers are... Oh, we got all these guys on defense. We're going to have one of the top defenses again this year. How many years in a row have they been saying that? I'm surprised that they're that high on the list still at 14. Yeah, I am, and I am too. I think they're probably barely there. Uh, and then uh, we drop all the way down next to uh, the Minnesota Vikings, who are at 24. They finally... Squeak out a win against the mighty Carolina Panthers. Um, and uh, um, their defensive efficiency is 51.6, which is good enough for 21st. I'm actually surprised that they're that far up. Um, they said that they think that, uh, um, I guess, uh, Marcus Davenport, who they brought in from the Saints, uh, apparently he's been hurt, and uh, they're hoping that he... Uh, uh, he's only played four snaps over the first uh, first three games, um, which, you know, apparently uh, uh, that's not been such a great uh, free agency signing. So where's the Bears? Uh, I'm trying to think if we would have moved up from last, because we were last last week, right? Yep. Did they do enough to move ahead of the Panthers? No. Oh. So what do you think they are in defensive efficiency? 31st. 
Nope. 30th. Oh, okay. Yeah, somehow they're that. somehow they're thirtieth now. The number one, the number one team uh, in defensive efficiency is um, one second here. I'm checking it. Dallas is number two. Their number is eighty five point two, and uh, the number one team is. I I looked this up. I get a, I get a Chiefs. The number one team in defensive efficiency is the Cleveland Browns. Oh, yeah. They're good. They're, oh, my God. Miles Garrett is just playing on a completely different level than everybody else. Remember, um, that, game, remember that game in Cleveland the Bears played two years ago? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that game. So, uh, earlier, uh, you know, I mean, we watched uh, Fields get absolutely crushed as Matt Nagy couldn't figure out that, oh, yeah, Miles Garrett needs to be blocked. Mm. He had five and a half sacks in that game. So, um, so anyway, uh, the, the Browns, um, what I was looking for them on was their defensive efficiency number is 87.0. The reason I wanted to point that out is to put our number in perspective. And <laughs> our number... Is twenty two point three, so not as good, not as good. <laughs> so, yeah, so not as good. Um, it says uh, the biggest issue is rushing the passer. Well, I mean, on uh, the defense, I think you can just take your pick as to what the biggest problem is. But uh, the Bears have two sacks in four games and have pressured opposing quarterbacks on. 22% of dropbacks, which ranks, you guessed it, dead last. Chicago's defense is slightly more aggressive and opportunistic in generating pressure after coach uh, Matt Eberflus assumed defensive play callings uh, duties in week two, but hasn't resulted in any increased production. Flus said that the Bears would have to start sending five or six rushers if they struggled to get pressure with their four-down defensive linemen, you're just now making that call. And while Chicago did see an uptick in blitzes against Denver at 27.6% versus 22%, that strategy was one the Broncos were able to adjust to in the second half when we were not we were not close to being in their backfield. I think our defensive uh, rough pass rush spent more in our own backfield <laughs> than in theirs. Um, the Bears D-line has six new players from a year ago, yet the upgrade in talent has not improved the team's ability to get to the quarterback. So, um, you know, this has been a, this has been a problem. Uh, I mean, really it's been a problem since 2018. Let's, let's be real. You know, I, I, that was the year we got Mac. That was the year he seemed to make a significant uh, impact on the entire defense. Uh, you know, then the next year we went and got Matt uh, Robert Robert Quinn, um, who did nothing uh, <laughs> until until the next year when he set the new Bears record for single sacks, uh, single player sacks in a season, even though the team was terrible. So. Uh, not much to say there, right? Yeah, not not anything unexpected. It's 
pretty much the same story each week until further notice, unfortunately. Okay, uh, so uh, doing the rundown, um, we got uh, Carolina at Detroit. The matchup predictor gives us uh, 77% to the Lions, 23% to the Carolina Panthers. Um, there was several cheers at the bar last week about uh, Minnesota coming back and beating Carolina. And as of right now, the Bears are 1-2 and two, uh, for prospective draft picks. But of course, there's a long ways to go. But this does look like another chance for us to stay in that position. I mean, I think Carolina is actually worse than the Bears right now. Like, Bryce Young might get better as the season goes on, but they are absolutely brutal right now. Detroit should stop he's them. He's really, really struggling badly. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of in the same position that Justin was in last year. Their, their offensive line stinks, and he's got no receivers. Have you have you noticed that he looks like a bobblehead? <laughs> <laughs> that, that helmet looks awfully big on that frame, so I don't know what the deal is with that. Hopefully he tightens it up this week because the Lions are going to be on him all game. Lions by 10. Yeah. That That's might actually be a pretty good bet. Yeah. I could see them winning by two touchdowns. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know how Carolina scores against them. Um, okay, so uh, on, to the, uh, on to the next, we've got uh, Kansas City at Minnesota. Oof. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is, is that... She's, it, she's is, a, little, a little sleepy in New York, <laughs> uh, but still won. And I think they should beat the Vikings. Pretty easily, I think Pat Mahomes should be able to score pretty much every time against that defense. Do we know is Taylor Swift coming here? <laughs> so uh, everybody, I think there's, you know, I bet there's a bet right now. I bet there's a prop bet in in Vegas right now about that because apparently uh, I know a woman that is a huge Swifty, and uh, she um, actually when be prior to the Bears playing the Chiefs. Knew that she was gonna uh, was the the Swifties were already talking about that, and she asked me about it because she knew that I was a Bears fan, and um, she said that at that time, uh, at, right after that game, uh, that the tickets for the Vikings Chiefs game doubled. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> In anticipation of her being here. So, you know, she, she was at the Bears game. She was at the Jets game. Um, did you see who she had at the Jets game? Uh, yeah, Hugh Jackman, right? Right. Who else? Ryan Reynolds it? and Blake Lively. Blake Lively is Brian Reynolds' wife. So I, I, saw a, I saw a great tweet. I wish I remembered who sent it out. But someone's like, I feel like the NFL accidentally learned that it should have been marketing to women all this time. <laughs> like, so... Uh, it, um, there's, uh, if, I don't know whether you saw it, but Charchian has been running this like little, almost a subreddit kind of thread on Twitter. Uh, one of his friends apparently brought up that this is a conspiracy by the NFL <laughs> to, to get more women involved in the NFL and, uh, or no, um, to, Time the stadium appearances of Taylor with the 
tour schedule that she has or something mm. like that. Um, so it's like cross promotional. <laughs> yeah, I've heard all that. I don't know. Just what I like, I, I feel like everything you, you hear about Taylor Swift is she's like an incredibly genuine person. Yeah. Like that sounds like something Aaron Rodgers would do. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Swift, I feel like, has earned the benefit of the doubt on stuff like this. I, I think it's real. Yeah. I think it's real. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, and whatever. You know, uh, there, I'll tell you what, though. Holy smokes, uh, the NFL um, has to be absolutely loving the uh, increase in national exposure. Uh, anyway, um, you know, obviously, it looks like... Uh, Minnesota will be in for another loss. It's Kansas City by four on the road. Uh, so that's more like a by seven. Uh, Minnesota, you know, barely squeaked out a win. Uh, and uh, Kirk Cousins is playing uh, absolutely terrible. Thank you, Kirk Cousins, for uh, getting me my first uh, uh, fantasy loss this week, you piece of garbage. And, <laughs> but, uh, um, it, ser- it serves me right. I, uh, I, I picked him up because his fantasy numbers, um, the last few weeks has actually, have actually been very good. So I sat Lamar Jackson and played him instead. And of course he has his first turd of the, uh, of the year. So that uh, pick six was like one of the worst throws I've ever oh seen. Oh my God. He, it's just like, you know, it, what did he forget how to play this game or what? I don't know. Um, and again, how is, how is Justin Jefferson not on a holdout right now? I, I would just, I would be like, I'm the best player in the NFL and you got me playing this garbage, you know, uh, what, and, and on a rookie deal, are you kidding me? No. Uh, but, um, okay. So, uh, what's our last one here? Where's the Packers yeah. and Raiders on Monday night? Yeah, Packers and Raiders Monday night. Uh, looks like um, what we've got here is fifty-five percent uh, Packers, forty-five percent Raiders. The Raiders are stinking up the joint um, pretty good once again. Uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo idea has turned out to not be that great of one. Um, Josh Jacobs is not knocking anybody over. Devontae Adams seems to ha- be having a pretty good year so far. Uh, Jordan Love has turned out to be a mere mortal. Uh, at least this year he is. And, uh, but he, he keeps squeaking by. Um, what do you think? I mean, Packers have, that's what, it's kind of that mini buy, right? They, they're, they're going from Thursday night to the following Monday night. And they yeah. got absolutely crushed on Thursday night. So. Yeah. Um, they need to win this one. I mean, otherwise they're putting themselves in a pretty big hole for the division, especially after already losing their game in Lambeau and they're, they're to the to the Lions. And yeah, the Ra- the Raiders stink. So the the Packers should win, I think. But I wouldn't I be knocked over though if they time. didn't. No, going on the road. I mean, I, I feel like we still don't know a lot about this Packers team. I mean, they came down to Chicago and blew out the Bears. What, what do you really learn from that? They, they blew that lead to the Falcons, which, like, allowing Desmond Ritter to score 25 points on you is, like... A, wow. It's like a... It's like a punish, should be punishable by night in jail. <laughs> they had that Saints game where they were 
getting blown out until Derek Carr got hurt, and then they, they get they get blown up in the Lions. So we we don't know a lot about them yet. So they've had almost two weeks to prep for this one. Um, they need it. I, I think they probably win, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they don't. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so uh, tomorrow night, um, Bears at Commanders, uh, sixty-one to thirty-nine on the matchup predictor. Uh, looks like Washington by six. Wow. I actually would have thought that would have been closer. I thought that would have been more like four. Yeah, Washington's been okay. Uh, they almost beat the Eagles this week. They took them to overtime. And I, I'm just really worried about what that Washington defensive line is going to do to this Bears offensive line, especially on a short week. I mean, Chase Young and Payne and Sweat. I mean, that's just a really formidable very bunch. So that's the worry. And, I mean, Washington's offense has been okay. Sam Howell's been kind of hit or miss. But the Bears defense can't stop anybody. And I just, as any Thursday night football game goes, my primary concern is always, like, let's get out of here without literally the entire team getting hurt especially against a physical opponent like this, I am praying for no injury to the quarterback and anything beyond that's kind of a bonus for me. Cause I, I think this is a tough matchup. In a short yeah. Week. I, um, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see much, um, good happening here. I do think we could see, um, a repeat though of last week, uh, with Justin Fields. I think we could see the offense, uh, again, getting some things going. Um, like you said, though, their their front seven, uh, their front four especially, are just downright deadly. Um, and uh, they've really got to have a game plan, which you and I were just trying to emphasize. It's got to be a quick moving game plan. He has got to be getting rid of the ball snap quick. And... Um, you know, we'll we'll see if the the coaches can draw up something when it comes to that because they uh, they didn't seem to do a very good job of it um, in the fourth quarter uh, last week um, or in the previous games. But uh, if we if we can, I think if uh, they can get the defense to back off the back off the line at least a little bit um, by using uh, using quick plays using line, uh, plays that stay close to the line of scrimmage. Um, I, I think that uh, I think they could um, possibly do something. Yeah, I'd like to see the offense continue the momentum, right? This is a much better defense, but yeah, it's a short week for them too. Teams typically are a little slower on Thursday night just because of the quick turnaround. So if they can use some of those same offensive concepts and, and move the ball, then I think even if they do lose tomorrow, maybe you you can then take some solace in, all right, we've got 10 days off. Our next matchups are against the Vikings and the Raiders, who both have bad defenses. So if they can keep the momentum going and against a pretty good defense on the road, then I'll be encouraged regardless of what happens. And I do have a prediction that I think the Bears are going to get a takeaway this week. (laughs) (laughs) don't know why I think Against that. Sam Howell? That, that's not a bad choice. Sam Howell on, on Thursday Night Football, like, I don't know if it's going to take, like, a ball hitting, like, someone in the face and deflecting up in the air and somebody's able to grab it or if, like, 
Washington's going to fumble a snap and the Bears are going to end up with it. But I just have a feeling the Bears are going to get their first turnover of the year. That, that's not against Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. I, I think, um, I, I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see that. And, um, I think, uh, but I just, uh, I, I don't feel like, um, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. I, I think that Washington has a good enough run game. Um, and, uh, you know, though, one thing that confuses me about Washington is they have what looks like on paper an outstanding group of receivers. And it's one another year in a row that it doesn't really show it in the actual games, right? Yeah, I mean... Big part of that's quarterback. They they put up some big a, a big score against Denver. We saw what their defense looks like, and they did score a bit against Philly last week. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I just with them, it's Sam Howell, right? It's we don't know a ton about him yet. He's he's been pretty up and down so far. But I'm with you. I'm, I'm picking the Bears to lose until they win one. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone my way. Fourteen of the the, the last fourteen times. So. In, they just lost to one of the worst teams in the league at Soldier Field. So yeah. going on the road in a short week, I'm not. No, I'm not real confident. I'm not win. All right. Okay. Want to do Survivor? Sure. What do you think? All right. Should, so... we, do, should we do Washington? <laughs> well, we can't. We already used that. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, pretty. No, no real upset. I can't do me. that anyway. Yeah. No, no, I wouldn't. I'm sure people will, but. I don't want to. Jacksonville no, at Buffalo. What? Jacksonville what at Jacksonville at Buffalo. So that game's in London. Oh right. Maybe stay away. I mean, there's two pretty obvious ones. There's Dolphins and Giants. I mean, the Giants are absolutely dreadful. And then we could go Detroit against Carolina. I don't want to use the Chiefs. Just going on the road sometimes they can be a little sleepy. Let's um. Let's do the Lions. You like the Lions? Yeah, I like the Lions tomorrow or Sunday. Yeah, I um, mean, yeah, they're I, they're they're playing very well. They're playing really good football right now. Jared Goff might be he, he might be playing the best football of his career. Um, uh, the and they're firing on so many cylinders. I mean, uh, you know, even Montgomery has looked you know pretty good. So. Yeah, and I, I like the trend of using teams that played the previous Thursday, get a little extra rest. I mean, Carolina is, is just They're terrible. bad. They're really bad. And last week, there were really no upsets in the league, which makes me think we're due for a couple this week. And I, I think the Lions are the team I, I feel the second most confident in. I think the Dolphins are, are pretty much a lock too, but I'm all good with going against uh, this Panthers team. They're they're about as bad as you know. Yeah, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm totally with you there too. Uh, I mean that that Dolphins team is wow. Are they rolling? Oh man, the matchup predictor on them eighty seven to thirteen. <laughs> what's yeah, the, what's the it's line? Like it's you, eleven. You you want to go against Brian Dayball, or do you want to go against Frank Reich? I think well, the thing is, is that it would be nice to use um, Miami later. Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, 
Detroit, if they if they lose this game, they've lost all the momentum that they've that they've built up so far. I, I mean, they just this is the kind of game that um, if you want to go win the division and win uh, and get into the playoffs, you can't lose this game. All right. I'm with you. Let's, let's do Detroit and let's let's roll with the kitty cats. So there it is, guys. Uh, thanks once again for uh, listening to the show. Um, this one went a little bit longer, obviously, because of uh, uh, the the whole thing of well, the drama that is the Bears. Yeah, just everything that's going on, and yeah, what else we got to talk about? So thank you for listening and. Enjoy the game tomorrow night as as much as one can. (laughs) Bear down.